Welcome to the Toy Rewind Podcast with your hosts, the Brothers Newland. Now, let's talk toys. Happy end of the year. I'm Michael. I'm John. And I'm Andrew. And this week on the Toy Rewind podcast, uh, I lost my notes. Uh, that's how this is going to go. Uh, let me scroll up. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to the Toy Rewind podcast, where we look back at lines from our childhood, toy lines from our childhood, and give you a history lesson about how those lines were created and possibly ended up in all of our homes. This week, it's time for us to look back on the year that was 2021 and we look at our favorite past our pastime of things that we always did on new year's eve as a family and that's board games last year we talked about parker brothers uh specifically mob monopoly which uh, had a little bit of you know significance in john's life um and his collection uh this year we're looking at milton bradley um, here's some of the milton bradley games we're going to talk about battleship the game of life connect Four, hungry hungry hippos twister Yahtzee, Axis and Allies, and Hero Quest. Hopefully, you as a listener have listed or have played some of those games because uh, Yahtzee. <laughs> I was waiting for one of you guys to do that. Uh, I have, uh, I've played a few of them myself. I know these guys have played a few of themselves. Themselves. I don't know how many battleship battles we've done between the three of us. Um, Yahtzee games and yeah, yeah, battleship was a big one. Yeah, all those. So uh, we're going to talk about Milton Bradley, see how they became and uh, then weren't anymore. And then, uh, yeah, we're also going to recap our 2021 year. And so stick around, see what we can do. John, before we get into all that, do your thing. All right. So check us out over on our website at toyrewindpodcast.com. Also look us up at crossthestreamsmedia.com. Uh, you can email us at toyrewindpodcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch is all Toy Rewind Pod. Facebook and YouTube is Toy Rewind Podcast. Uh, we do still do some of our toy box showcases here and there, uh, so keep up with that and watch us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch as we do those. Uh, as always, if you're listening to us and want to play along, we have our own little game uh, with the podcast bingo. You can Check us out. Check that out at podcastbingo.com backslash toy rewind. And then listen in and watch for our uh, collector showcases uh, with our friends over at the Geek Together channel. Yeah, lots of fun stuff there. Be sure you're following those socials because uh, we just got finished with something. We need to update real quick, too. Um, as of yesterday, our late, it was actually late last night, we have a winner for our most recent. Toy bracket. Oh, sorry, wrong button. Our our most recent uh, toy toy bracket. That, I was I was right. I was thinking yeah. I'm crazy, and I, but I'm right. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to also find the uh, the image here so we can pull it up. It is uh, two pretty good lines that went up against each other, which we knew it was going to be when we started this. Uh, we had the uh, classic NES and GI Joe, the three inch line for GI Joe. So. Um, any surprises from you guys on uh, how this one ended up? 
Um, you know, when I was watching it, it was really shocking that when I was a- actually able to look at it, it seemed really, really close and like G.I. Joe might take it. But I guess so. G.I. Joe did tie it up. It was uh, a tied vote on uh, Twitter. Twitter right. it was, the, yeah. the Instagram is where Nintendo really hit it out of the park, which, you know, we kind of all expected Nintendo to win this. Um, there were the few people that are like, well, Nintendo's not a toy. And I feel like that's how G.I. Joe got so many votes compared to Nintendo. And I was okay with that. Um, I kind yeah, of, they got I, my vote. yeah, I agree and disagree at the same time. So I'm <laughs> like, Hey, you know, it's all good. Um, I think mean, G.I. Joe is a, is a freaking great toy line. Uh, Nintendo being as big as it is kind of stole the show here, though. So yeah. um, you'll see that post. Probably this, the, the actual official winner right along with this episode post that's going out. Um, so we've got that. And uh, so now we are, after this this week, we'll be four lines into our third bracket. So I guess we got a little while. What is it, 32? Uh, yeah, 32 uh, games. So, 32 so we still have 28 more episodes to go. We'll see what all ends up in this one. Uh, wish I had a list of all the toys that we were going to do in the next 28 episodes because then I just pick a winner. Pick a winner. <laughs> um, along with that, uh, I think I'll be doing it on Friday. I'll be announcing the person who won a little bit. Do you guys remember the contest that I put up for this? Anybody who voted for Nintendo is going to oh, get yeah. a prize pack for this? For, yeah. Or the winner, if, if you voted, voted for it, for you're going to get thrown in. Yeah, yeah so we thrown in for a drawing for your yes. name. Yes, so we're going to throw all those names in. We're going to pick a... Or we're going to have a little spin thing to it. Um, we're going to pick a winner. I am not in there. I didn't, I didn't vote for Nintendo, so... You didn't vote for Nintendo. You, <laughs> right. you were getting taken out anyways, Michael. So. Uh, maybe Friday. It'll be a good little thing. We'll, we'll announce that right as we're doing New Year's, I guess, so... Uh, yep. Look forward to that. And uh, I have actually picked up something uh, yesterday that's going into that prize pack. So you'll be seeing all that come out. Um, all right. Let's talk about 2021. Before we jump into board games, let's talk about 2021. We had how many toy lines? How many episodes did you say there was, Michael? 40. Uh, 46 episodes we've done. And today, this one would be 47 for this so year. So this will be 47 for the 2021 year. So that's... Yeah. Um, we started January 7th, our first toy line for 2021. Um, we started strong with Transformers. Uh, yeah, Sully was on with that. and Episode 23 is what that was. Episode 23. So we started strong. And then obviously this week being the last one with board games, but uh, we did have Eagle Force last week. So um, a good, strong set of episodes. Uh, I know, Michael, you asked. This is your question. Uh, what yep. was our favorite episode out of those? So um, let's do something different, something weird. Feels weird to even think about this, but John, <laughs> you want to go first? Um, so out of all of them with me, I think uh, episode 24, which is Visionaries, really struck it with me. And of course, now I have three complete ones behind me. Uh, so, I mean, if it really gets you and you can find them and you really want them, I guess it's important enough, you know, I like them. Mm-hmm. They're back there. And then my other, my second one is uh, episode 57, which was cops. And I do have highway from uh, that one. So definitely picked up a couple of those. So. 
two really interesting toy lines. I like those. They were kind of different. The the whole cops and robbers, cops and crooks thing that they did right. with that one. Um, and then the way visionaries, I mean, it was really kind of a visionary type of thing, toy line to have there. So yeah, I know looking at those and trying to get them, it was kind of tricky to find ones that I thought were good enough quality to get. Yeah. So yeah. Michael, what do you got? I'm going to go ahead and take a guess on number th on uh, episode 33 for you. 33? I don't have 33 on there. You don't have, he doesn't have 33 <laughs> on his list. No Godzilla? 33. It, it, yeah. I mean, I got, I've got like <laughs> six of them here, and it was, it was the top. It wasn't the top. I mean, it's the one. He's got the top 47 on his list. I think we had 47 amazing episodes. Yeah. No, uh, I guess, you know, the funnest one we had was with Clint on the, the NES episode 35. Yeah. I think that was probably the funnest one we had. And, the, yeah. and that game, Andrew, that you came up with, that, that game that put that, it over yeah. the top. It was the funnest. But we got to learn that Teddy Ropeskin was the savior of Nintendo. So, and he's, it, so we learned that in episode yeah. 35. And then what, what was it? Episode, what was Teddy Ruxman? What is it? Episode uh, 64. Yeah, 64. So 29 episodes after that, we find out that Teddy Ruxman is not a bear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it was a Teddy Ruxman year. Yeah, it was. So, um, but yeah, that was, that was probably the funnest one. And then the knockoffs, I think episode 34 was pretty fun too. When we talked about the knockoff stuff, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the two diecast episodes were, were near and dear to me. You know, episode 50 with hot wheels and 41 with Johnny lightning. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a lot of great info on Johnny lightning from, uh, from, um, a buddy of mine. Um, and then, you know, like like you said, the Transformers one was. You know, I'm a big Transformer fan, so uh, that was fun with Sully talking with him over that. And another one we had fun with was with the STS guys on the episode 29 with the 12 inch line of GI Joe. That one was pretty fun. So uh, those are probably my top ones. And Godzilla is also pretty fun. So. <laughs> so so John, what Michael did was said, "Hey, what was your favorite episode?" We should have made him go last, but it really should have thought about this because Michael's like, oh, here's mine. It's all of them. Well, it's it's the majority yeah. of them that had somebody on with us. Yeah. So he just doesn't I mean, like talking to just me and you. He doesn't. I mean, it kind of gets old. So I will tell you. Um, he just shrugs it off. Yeah, I mean, one, of, one of my top ones was 39, that DC Superpowers. Yeah. I like this. That was a fun episode um, because that was a toy line that I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about. Yeah. Um, really like as I mean I knew it was there but just how cool they were um, and and everything like I want I'm still looking for a Batman they go for yeah. too much to be honest yeah um, it was just upsetting to see Marvel beat them out on the toy it, bracket because it, it was really shouldn't have the, the the Marvel toys the Secret Wars toys were not as good as those superpowers see Michael's got those two there um, and I've got my penguin behind me that is an yeah, awesome yeah, toy line it, and it has <clears throat> Everything to do with the way that it was. Kenner did that. It was all a great toy line. And I, if it was Marvel, that one, and DC was the bad one, like I said, that was the cool line. It had nothing to do with Batman. It just, I, I learned a lot. And I remembered a toy line that I had forgotten about. Um, another one that I really enjoyed, uh, where'd it go? What was the number? 
oh, oh, there it is. It was the two of them that we did together: the Lost World of the Warlord and the Warrior Beasts. Um, that was two episodes, fifty-one and fifty-two. I really liked those because it was the way that we did the episodes together. Mm-hmm. Talked about the two different lines that were actually kind of inter- intertwined, you know. So pretty good one. And then I think we had a stellar October with all our monster talk. Right. Yeah, the monster one so, was fun too. Yeah. So learning a lot about those, the way that they evolved from, uh, you know, looking like the people to, you know, not being able to do that with all the details and everything. So um, you did mention most of the ones we did with guests. Um, we started off with Sully with Transformers. Uh, we had the STS guys on twice because we talked about G.I. Joe twice this year. Yeah. Uh, Clint was on from the Dorksmen to talk about Nintendo. The, a couple of the average nerds on to talk average about Ronin, Ronin Warriors. That was another good episode because that was a line I didn't really know anything about. Right. And I learned some stuff. So enjoyed that, having them on. Um, and then last week we had Dwayne on with the Miko Eagle Force. Uh, that was a fun so one too, yeah. That was another fun one. I didn't know anything about Eagle Force until we did that yeah. episode. So I, I, I know the name, but I didn't know the, the line itself very well. And digging into that was pretty fun. And talking with Dwayne was, was lots of fun too. Yeah, I, I don't think I even knew the name, really. I've seen the figures because I knew, like, I've seen the gold figures just in different mm-hmm. things. I just didn't, I thought they were a gold G.I. Joe, to be honest. <laughs> like, I just, I mean, because I don't know if I ever touched them to know if they were the die cast or what. It just, yeah, just didn't know. It's kind of an interesting thing. So um, it's been a pretty good year. Pretty yeah. good uh, 2021. Uh, we've got a lot of toys to talk about in 2022 and going forward. So, so I guess everybody... our uh, big question is we blew it out of the water with all of these monsters for October. What are we going to do in October this year? You know, I think we've got some, are there more, are there more I monsters? Mean, <laughs> we, we have, we've quite a bit. Um, let me, let me just, yeah, we've got, uh, we got at least three of them set up, I think, for next October. Let's let's just say we still have 86 toy lines on our bucket right here. And we're still adding. We're still and we're adding still adding stuff. pretty decently adding. Oh, I know what we're doing. Adding toy October. lines. I see it now. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> I came we're... across. I wrote this down. Oh, I thought so that was a. Now I thought I thought uh, it was a marshmallow for a second. <laughs> that's a little. That's a little note I got. Um, uh, Matchbox parasites. If anybody's heard of that? Let us know. But I'm adding that to the list. So I already added it. Uh, so that's 87 toy line that we still have left to talk about. It's going to be a long run with this guy. So hopefully nobody's getting bored with us uh, and everything. So. Um, along with that, hopefully our once a month showcases, uh, collector showcases will be back in January. We got some, get some lined up. I'm ready for a strong 2022. We're going to do ready? more, more lives as well next year. More lives. Try to show off some, show off some of our toy lines that we have. I mean, we don't do toy box, that. Showcases. Toy box showcases, show those things off. Um, and then, you know, obviously with the collector showcases, it gets other people's collection in. So, um, Get better at it. Stick with us. Uh, by the time we're done with this, we'll be professionals. I'll be good. By the time All right. we're done with this, we'll be professionals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and just kind of throw in the uh, the drink there. Uh, we all got some uh, some towel tumblers from our parents. Mm-hmm. Shout out to mom and dad 
for Christmas that have the Toy Rewind logo on it. If you're looking for some merch, you want to have some Toy Rewind merch, go to our website, ToyRewindPodcast.com. Go over the top. It says merch. Click on it. Buy something. Support a podcast that you like. It's a lot of fun. All right. With that, Michael, you ready to rewind? Are you ready to talk about some Milton Bradley? Let's go. All right. Let's rewind and get into it. All right, so established way, way back in, in 1860 uh, by business magnate Milton Bradley. So that's the guy's name, Milton Bradley. Uh, so he named the company after himself. I, I mean, why not? Why not Come just on, name it after yourself? I'm it's, making a toy. It's the Andrew Newland Toy Company. Yeah, so it's, it. it's the the business magnate, not, not the baseball player, but yeah. <laughs> Who's, yeah. So anyway, uh, so after moving... To Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, Bradley set up uh, the state's very first color lithography shop. Um, his graphic design of Abraham Lincoln was a hit until Lincoln grew a beard and rendered the picture out of date. So he started off with lithography and come up with this picture of, of Abraham Lincoln and sold a ton of them. And then a decided to grow his beard. And nobody recognized him from the picture anymore, uh, I guess. I don't know. So, but uh, anyway, so that's what got uh, Milton Bradley started with was uh, lithography. Um, so trying to figure out what to do next with his uh, lithography machine, Bradley visited a friend of his named Gregory, Greg, George Tapley. If I can talk, right? <laughs> um, Tapley challenged him to a game and Bradley got the idea of making a... Um, a pure American game. Cause at that time, you know, it was still, they still had a lot of uh, European um, uh, stuff going on, innovations and stuff there uh, in the 1800s, you know? So a lot of the games that people played were from Europe or, or, or England, you know, uh, Great Britain, stuff like that. So they, uh, he wanted to come up with a, a pure American game. And he came up with the checkered game of life is what he what he named it. So this game moved players along a track from infancy to happy old age uh, by avoiding ruin. You didn't want to be ruined by the end of your life. So uh, this game used a spinner instead of uh, dice because of the negative association with gambling and dice. Mm. So he didn't want to use that. He, he said, if I use a little spinner, like a little spinner top and then whatever side. It had flat sides where it landed on the number. That's that's what it is. So, um, that's uh, so that was something a little bit different, and people thought it was more family family friendly than um, than dice would be because of the gambling thing. Uh, yeah. So Andrew's got a picture of it up. It, it's kind of a a different looking board than what what you know now, but it's all gotten gotten bigger. Uh, I know there's several things they've updated from the from the from the new one that they came out with, but it, it looks different. But I guess once you get to playing it, it kind of makes more sense. So yeah, it looks really weird with it, it's <coughs> identical to a checkerboard. I just came across this. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I hadn't actually seen the board for it because everything I looked looks like closer to the newer yeah, life. Yeah, newer one. Yeah, yeah. but. I know, like Michael said, they took some of the stuff. So there's one of them in here that's about suicide. They took that square or that information completely off. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's you know it starts you at, at infancy and you work your way up to uh, happy old age. So, which is fifty, uh, by the way. Oh, it's fifty. I guess <laughs> that's that what it says. Happy old age by then. I mean, know? I mean, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think people really lived that long back then, anyway. So no, no, it was. A, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe the old old Michael, age. Michael, that's what. Six and no, a half don't, John, shush, 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 stop, stop, don't, don't. There's no reason to do you that. Guys, you guys aren't too far behind me. So. Exactly. There's uh, no reason to so, do that, John. <laughs> so by spring of 1861, over 45,000 copies of this game uh, had been sold and convinced Bradley that board games were the future of his company. So he was had so much success with this that he decided that's what that's the way he needs to go. And, and forget the picture taking. So, um, so... Also, what else happened in 1861? The Civil War broke out. So oh, I, was, Civil... I thought you were I thought you were gonna add, like that was a question you were gonna ask us. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you can think. No, so so when the Civil War broke out early 1861, Bradley noticed that board soldiers that were stationed in Springfield and began producing um, he, he noticed the board soldiers. So he began producing small games uh, which the soldiers could play during their downtime. Uh, and, and these were actually regarded as the first travel games in the country. Um, he produced uh, uh, smaller versions of chess, checkers, backgammon, uh, dominoes, and then his, his own game of life. He made a smaller version of it. Uh, these were all sold for a dollar a piece to soldiers at a charitable and charitable organizations that actually passed those out through the uh, to the soldiers. Uh, so how much was a dollar back in 1860? I, I was just pulling that up. Um, one dollar. How much would it be now? Thirty-one dollars and fifty-eight cents today. So they buy a game of checkers or chess for thirty-one dollars. Jesus, wow. that's, that's a lot. That's like a, yeah. that's an expensive game of checkers. It is, yeah. So, um, so another thing. Uh, that Milton Bradley was known for was he was instrumental in leading the way in education uh, by becoming involved with the kindergarten movement. So um, he was really into the education of younger kids, trying to get the, the school stuff going um, and starting out at, at an early age. So the company began manufacturing colored paper, paint, uh, toy money, multiplication sticks, movable clock dials, and and just gave these away free of charge. He just gave them to kids, to schools, whatever. And he was making money off of the, the board games and all that kind of stuff he was starting to do. Uh, and $31 for or a dollar back then for that. Uh, so that he was making some money off of that stuff, but... Um, but giving stuff free away for free that they were making uh, kind of hurt the company. And then investors told Bradley that it was either them or the educational stuff. And Bradley chose education. Well, I'm um, glad somebody did, you know, cause these days I, I don't know if they would. Yeah. Right. Just wanting the money part. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are a little bit money hungry. So, uh, so he's, he said, forget you guys. I'm going to, I'm going to keep giving away this stuff for education. So, uh, and then he has his friend, George Tapley, who actually gave him the idea of starting his company as a, a board games. Um, 
So George Tapley came in and he picked up all what he was losing from the investors. Uh, so Tapley then became president of the company. So you had uh, Milton Bradley as the CEO, owner of the company, and then you had Tapley as the president. So, so by the 1870s, the company was making dozens of games and became the first manufacturer to make croquet sets here in the U.S. Okay. Um, the you know most all the other croquet sets they had were shipped in from Europe, uh, all over from overseas. So, um, 1880 saw jigsaw puzzles added to the repertoire, and then in the turn of the century, a large per- portion of the company's income was educational supplies. So they eventually started selling some of this stuff. Now he was still probably giving away stuff, uh, stuff like that, but he was selling some of this stuff as well. Uh, and continue to make games um, such as some of the games that they made from the right around 1900 was visit to the gypsies uh, word gardening okay happy days in old England and then a, a fortune telling game so, happy days in old England happy days in old England and I, you know, I like to visit to the gypsies I like to play that game and see how <laughs> that was all about. so. Uh, so, uh, Bradley, actually, he died in, in 1911, and the company was passed to Robert Ellis, who then passed it to Bradley's son-in-law, Robert Ingersoll, who eventually passed it to George Tapley's son, William. Uh, so, the next 10 years, it just kind of got handed over. Just getting uh, passed around. Passed around, yeah. So, 1920, uh, the company, Milton Bradley, they bought out uh, the McLaughlin brothers, who were a publishing for- firm, which published books, puzzles, games, uh, paper soldiers, and paper dolls. So that added more stuff to to the repertoire, uh, to to their their uh, their stuff there. Uh, so the company started to delve in. Uh, what I say? Oh, the the company started to decline in the 1920s and then fell dramatically in the 30s during the Great Depression. A lot of people didn't have any money to to spend on, on games like this, so uh, it hurt the company big time. So 1940, the, the company almost went into bankruptcy, and the board of directors persuaded uh, businessman James J. Shea to take over presidency of the company, and he... Page? Uh, he actually uh, moved to decrease the, de- uh, the debt and began to uh, began a major renovation of the plant. And then they he ended up burning old inventory that had been accumulating since the 1900s. So they've had, this was 1940. So he's, they've had almost 40 years of, of stuff that just sat in the warehouse and just, just cost him money to, to be there. So he just burned it all. So, Jeez, just burn it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so during World War II, uh, Milton Bradley reproduced revised versions of their game kits for soldiers. Uh, the dominoes, the the checkers, the chess, the backgammon, all those. So they kind of redid all that like they did for the Civil War uh, soldiers. They did this for the World War II soldiers um, and introduced new games after cutting back from 410 titles to 150 titles. So at the time during World War II, they had 
Can you imagine having 410 different items that you produced? Yeah. Like that. And it was just, it was a lot. And there was a lot of stuff that just what didn't sell. They still made it, but they just didn't sell it. So that's kind of why their, their inventory was getting just sitting there and Shay had to burn it all just to get rid of it. So, uh, so they cut back to 150 and some of these 150 were new games. Uh, the, some of these games were Game of the States. There were Shoots and Ladders and then Candyland. Candy and I know Land. we're familiar with two of those as we played Shoots and Ladders. And played Candyland. quite a few Shoots and Ladders and Candyland, yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, after, after World War II, television was growing. So in 1959, uh, Milton Bradley released Concentration. Uh, it was a memory game based on NBC's uh, TV show of the same name. Uh, the game was such a success, it continued until 1982, even after the TV show was canceled in 1973. So this thing went from 1959 to 1982, and the TV show it was modeled after was canceled nine years before it was canceled. Wow. So it was pretty good. There there was also box games of Password and Jeopardy as well. Those are two two other game shows that were around during the, that time. Uh, let's see. Milton Bradley celebrated their centennial in 1960 with the re-release of The Checkered Game of Life, which was more modernized and renamed The Game of Life, which is what we know of it as. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it changed the goal from happy old age of 50 years old to, to becoming a millionaire. So you grew up to become a millionaire. That's, that's a, I feel like that's a better goal. Right. Yeah. I think so. Too, you know, yeah. I mean, just to be like, look, once you get, once you get 50, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> like at least a millionaire, you, you're maybe not done, but that's, that's just like level. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, a couple other things that happened during this time, uh, Twister debuted in the 1960s. Um, we all know Twister. Uh, 1967, James Shea Jr. took over for his father, and he bought Play School, uh, which were the makers of Yahtzee and Body Language. Uh, the 70s and 80s, electric games, electronic games became popular, and Simon was released in mm. 1978, uh, which became Milton, fun. which became <clears throat> Milton Bradley's best-selling item in 1980. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yep. So 1979, Milton Bradley developed the first handheld cartridge-based console, Microvision. So this is the first one that was that was handheld with the cartridge. Um, and it's just a simple little game. I saw I watched a YouTube uh, video of a guy talking about it. And it, it only lasted uh, two years, I believe is what the, the lifespan of it was. But it it's just a little simple, like, it had breakout and there was a, um, a Star Trek themed uh, game. Uh, they did lose the, the license to the Star Trek and just named it the laser, whatever it was. The, the, they took the Star Trek off of it, but it was, you just shoot a laser trying to hit little points that kept lighting up on the screen. So, right. but it's all simple, thing. simple little games is all it was, but it was, it was the first handheld cartridge based it sold for forty nine ninety nine. Forty nine ninety nine in nineteen seventy nine. How much is that, Andrew? Nineteen seventy nine. Nineteen seventy nine. Forty nine ninety nine. Almost two hundred bucks. One hundred ninety one dollars. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's about right for back then. That's but, crazy. And, you know, they're, you can find them pretty cheap nowadays. They're not $200 I mean, nowadays. But, <laughs> no. Um, uh, so, in 1983, the company purchased uh, Central Consumer Electronics, which created Vectrix. It's a vector-based video game console. Um, and I meant to look up what kind of what vector based means um i do apologize for forgetting to look that up so um but that was the next big thing in gaming i guess at the time so they did buy that uh but i don't think they went any went too far with that because then other it, it kind of the, the gaming industry crashed at right at that time too because right. of, uh, vector Atari gaming Vector gaming refers to any video game that uses a vector graphics display. Like Atari uses a vector graphics display. Okay. Okay. So, so it's more like, um, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, so like we know what happened with Atari, the whole gaming platform just crashed at that time in, in 83 and 84. So, uh, the, the big, the big difference between like vector and like Nintendo. Um, so with vector gaming, you could technically play vector gaming on our large flat screens now. Mm -hmm. Try to play an NES without playing it in three four on our large. It you know it stretches it out right. Yeah, and it's right. yeah. it's fuzzy uh, with vector. Mm -hmm. It's it's not going to be fuzzy like that because it's it's done with lines and and everything. So that's the thing. Yeah. that's the way those work. So okay, okay, yeah. So. Uh, so that's why it didn't it didn't get big because of the, the video game crash. Um, nineteen eighty four, uh, Hasbro uh, bought out Milton Bradley, ending one hundred twenty four years of family ownership. So now they were they were owned by a, a big company, which they were already a big company. But, yeah, I mean they were the biggest company in in the in the world as far as gaming and stuff for 124 years. So uh, the, the 1980s, 1990s underneath Hasbro saw the release of hero quest, uh, battle masters, Gator golf, uh, crack the crack, the case mall madness and 1313 dead end drive was the name of that game. Uh, 1980, I mean, 1991 Hasbro acquired Parker Brothers, which was the second biggest uh, game, which we, we talked about that last year at this time, um, and merged the two to create Hasbro games. In 2009, Hasbro dropped the Milton Bradley and Parker Brothers names in favor of just Hasbro Gaming on its products. So, yep. 2009 was the last you saw of the Milton Bradley logo on those. So many of those games that we, you know, that we've talked about now between the two companies, between Parker Brothers and Milton Bradley are merged together. Like you think about them together, because when you're talking about board games, I don't know of anybody who's like, let's go play a Parker Brothers board game. Let's go play a Milton Bradley board game specifically. You just talk about board yeah. games. Um, and then honestly, I mean, had we not talked about it uh, last year, if you were like, hey, who originally made Monopoly? I would have had to think about it. Like, wait a minute, yeah. which one was that? Like, it's not just, you know, immediately, oh, yeah, that's who this is. Because those, they're making yeah. the same games, like, together. Not together, but, you know, they're making all these board Hasbro's games at Hasbro. the same time. Now it's all under Hasbro. So it's mm -hmm. like, hey, you know, are there, I mean, I guess there are other board game companies now, but 
I mean, <laughs> there are. Uh, who is it? Who makes the villainous games? Um, I can't even um, think of who, who it is. Uh, oh, uh, Ravensburger. Yeah. Yeah. So they make that, and there's lots. I mean, Funko's making games. It's uh, there's there's a few smaller companies that are in there, but um, you've got to be you've got to have just that next big cool game to be able to compete with Hasbro, I think. Uh, something cool that I, I came across uh, going back to the the Vectrix. A lot of people nowadays are or collectors are picking these up when they can find one, and they're creating their own games to to be put on there. So. You can actually program your own game to play on that, so which is pretty cool. That is pretty uh, cool. Yeah. So, Andrew, you want to go through? We're going to talk about a few select games. Yeah, we, uh, we can talk about these are the ones specifically. Like we talked earlier, Battleship. Let's just start there. All right. Well, let's no, no, no. Battleship's first on my list, but let's start with a game of life. That's where it all started. Um, mm -hmm. So let's start with a game of life. This is. Um, I would probably say in the top five of games that we played. You guys agree? You got y'all agree with that? Yeah. I don't. I don't remember I don't playing remember much on it, but it is one we played quite a bit. I think Andrew, you might have played it more than I have. You and John okay. might have. I, I remember playing this one a lot. I mean, obviously, the I think Andrew one. probably played it more than I. Maybe maybe Andrew <laughs> um, played it more than. I've I played this a lot with our with my kids as the you know they're going it's one of the games that it's easy for them to learn um, and do there's there's less chance in it now than there used to be um, you just kind of follow the path or whatever and you just have some options or whatever but um, it's still a fun game fun game to play I like the fact that it's not dice you know it's the spinner um, mm -hmm. that's that's kind of cool I I didn't realize that they had changed that because of the negative gambling, yeah. you know, yeah, um, they didn't want the, the dice, you know, I just thought it was them, them trying to make something different. You know, I didn't, I never thought about the, the negative aspect of the, the dice. So, mm -hmm. um, I like that. Um, all right, let's talk about battleship. So that's not a very big one. So should be quick. Now, now we just, just, just a few little, little bit of history of each one and, and stuff. What we're oh, going okay. for. So, yeah. so battleship, it's a strategy-type guessing game for two players known worldwide as a pencil-and-paper game. So it started out on – you had a paper that had your little had your grid. squares marked off your grid, and you'd mark off where your ships were at, and you would call it and x out the hits, and then you try to hit the other person – guess where the other person's uh, ships were at. Uh so this this that dates back to World War One. Uh, it was published by various companies as a, like I said a pad and pencil game. In the 1930s, <clears throat> it was released as a plastic board game by Milton Bradley. So in 1967, or that's yeah, 13. It was, um, uh, yeah, it was it was various companies did it through the 1930s, and then in the 1967. A plastic board game of it was released by Milton Bradley. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, so 1977, Milton Bradley released a computerized electronic battleship and reputed to be the first toy with a sound chip. So this one actually, the first game, you know, they got a lot of firsts with uh, with Milton Bradley. They did, so. yeah. 
So that was pretty cool. Um, the, uh, you know, you've got your plastic ships that you stick in the peg holes and instead of drawing on a piece of paper and, uh, but you still got to guess you throw out numbers on the grid where you think the other person's battleship is and see if you can hit it. And then you put a little peg, uh, the Milton Bradley's version of it. You put a little peg in those, those spots, whether you hit or miss. So, <clears throat> Uh, the big thing I remember about this is losing all the little white and red pegs. Yep. Them being everywhere. Uh, they uh, fit pretty well with Legos. And so I would find them in my Legos <laughs> all the time. Uh, they kind of squeeze in and you lose them up in there. Yeah. Yeah. You could lose them up. In, yeah. So yeah. that's, that's what I remember. <laughs> um, I think we all pretty much that's I, one thing I really liked playing with you guys is because this is one that there's strategy to it, but it's also, yeah. like you said, a guessing game. You yeah. Know? Um, so I enjoy playing with y'all because it's not one that we really, nobody had a huge advantage to no. this, you know? So um, I think we all won and lost pretty good amount of games with that one. So, yeah, that was one that we played quite a bit together. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about connect four. So Connect 4 uh, is a two-player connection board game uh, in which the players choose a color and then take turns dropping the colored discs in a vertically suspended grid. Uh, the object of the game is to be the first to form a vertical, horizontal, or diagonal line of four of one's discs. Um, this was first sold under the Connect 4 trademark by Milton Bradley in February of 1974. So this one's from 1974. Um, we played this quite a bit too. Uh, we've oh, had yeah. we had a big big jumbo version of this, I think, at one time, or, or somebody did. Um, but it's got uh, it's got six tall and seven across. I think is what it is. And you just drop. You take turns dropping your your disc in there. I think we had what black and red. Uh, uh, or yellow and red or something like that. Black, I was, yellow and red. I was just about three, to ask you guys, maybe what yellow are the and red. three main colors used on Connect 4? Is it black, yellow, and red? No, it's blue, yellow, no. and red. Yeah. Oh, blue. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pretty much a, a variety blue. of those. Those are the main ones. Um, and I think you're actually thinking about a, a checkers board that we <laughs> had. Yeah, checkers <laughs> yeah. or black. They were, they were pretty big. Uh, we had red and black, and then it was like a brown. yeah. That was okay. That was the checkers. Yeah, You're yeah, thinking about checkers, checkers board. Yeah. I'm getting things confused. What do you have to uh, say about? I mean that. I mean, John, you remember you remember this one a lot, yeah. right? I remember us oh, yeah. playing. We a lot played a lot. So, I feel like we played a lot at Nanny and Pops. And you got you got to be kind of tricky on it because usually the first person you that drops first usually wins yeah you've got to it's yes it's you got to catch them when they're not paying attention and that's yeah. when you drop them and you look back and they're like uh okay here yeah yeah if you yeah, can catch kinda... somebody that's like got a strategy and they're thinking a lot and you drop in real quick and catch them off guard you can you can take that one yeah, yeah. but it's so. difficult difficult to do yeah. so um all right uh Hungry Hungry Hippos. Uh, so Hungry Hungry Hippos is a tabletop game for two to four players. It's first released in 1978. Uh, the game was imported from Japan uh, by toy inventor Fred Kroll. 
who published the idea of the game back in 1967. So that's a little bit of history I got on it. So, okay. I mean, it's, it's, you get marbles <laughs> out there and you got your, your hippos that you, you hit the little thing and they come up and try to eat the marbles. Whoever eats the most marbles wins. This is a slappers game. Yeah. There's no strategy. You throw slappers the marbles only. out there and you're. Sorry, if that was yeah, really try, try to eat How them fast as... can you get that hippo's yeah. mouth to go out and pull them in? Yeah, yeah it's so crazy. Um, interesting thing about this, there is uh, a really fun version of this that is you actually playing uh, that you can do if you've got like eight, uh, at least four people, but if you have eight people, that way you can have four people. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you, you do like uh, basketballs or some kind of larger ball. And you mm -hmm. put all those in the middle and then you have somebody like you can attach strings to your feet or whatever if you want to do string wise or you just have them like throw your feet out there and you throw like a hamper over the balls and you pull them back and you're on like a skateboard <laughs> or something. Lots and lots uh, of fun. Um, you can also hurt people by hitting them with the hampers <laughs> if you hit wrong, you know, um, lots of fun. And I've played it a few times. It's just it's yeah, it's just fun. So interesting. <laughs> Um, all right, Twister. This is uh, uh, obviously you said this one was in the 70s or the 60s or the 70s. Which one, Twister? Twister, Twister is uh, 60s. 60s, okay. When yeah. you said that, I was like, Of course, it's the 60s, like, yeah, it's screamed it in that, that whole, whole area, that whole era. Uh, so the game it's a game of physical skill and played on a large plastic mat. There's six rows of large colored circles. Uh, with a different color in each row. There's red, yellow, green, and blue. Uh, the game is, is, is the, the catchphrase was the game that ties you up in knots. So 1964, uh, Ryan Geyer uh, owned, a, owned and managed a design company which made uh, in-store displays for Fortune 500 companies. Um, his son, Ryan Jr., developed the idea that a, a game could be could utilize people as playing pieces on a life-size board so it kind of like you're talking about with the hunger and hippo when you on skateboards people doing that so yeah um uh so his first attempt he called uh king's footsie uh which was turned <laughs> down uh by the company he tried to offer it to uh so later with the help of charge Charles uh, Foley, who was a who was a toy designer at the time, and Neil Rubens, uh, who was a product design artist, uh, they submitted a, for patents and trademark rights for for what was originally called Pretzel. So they kind of made some adjustments to it, changed the name, uh, and then they they filed for patents and trademarks. Uh, so Foley called on his good friend Mel Taft Sr., who was at the time of the vice president of Milton Bradley in 1966 for a product idea presentation. Uh, Milton Bradley took on the pretzel, but renamed it uh, Twister. So um, it's good having friends in, in high places, I guess, because right. they, uh, they, they liked the idea and they, they said, let's do it, let's make it, and, but let's call it something else. So they called it Twister instead. Um, Another fun fact is it was also licensed to Nintendo in 1966 for the Japanese market. So Nintendo pops back up in our notes. <laughs> so, but this was before video, the video game Nintendo. You know, back then they were they were they had other kind of games. 
So that was kind of, and, and there was been many and many a game uh, parties and stuff with this here that uh, I've played it a few times. I've never really played much, but uh, I have. This one could be really big on how much balance you have. Yeah. Because you spin, you have a spinner that tells you uh, what color and then what arm or what hand or foot to put on a color. Right. And you right. try right. to do right. that with with like what I say four people. If you put four people on this and you're trying to put your right hand on blue, and the blue is across two other people before you'd even try to get it. Yeah, you got to have good balance or you all fall and. Yeah. yeah, somebody somebody gets squished at the end of the day. So this is a fun party one though. Yeah. So it is a good party game. Especially um, yeah. All right. Uh Yahtzee. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna go there. Uh we're just gonna go right into Yahtzee. Right? Okay, Yahtzee. Yeah. Um, this is a a uh it's a dice game first marketed by game entrepreneur. Edwin S. Lowe in 1956. Uh, it is the development of earlier dice games uh, such as Poker Dice, Yacht, and Generala. See how that was pronounced. Um, so E.S. Lowe Company marketed the game from 1956 to 1973 when Milton Bradley purchased the E.S. Lowe and assumed the rights to produce to sell Yahtzee. So this was actually this came in from a different company uh, that Milton Bradley purchased and and started producing. So um, in 1973. So you know this is a pretty fun game. We played this too growing up. I know I did. Uh, you you get your dice in there and you you throw them out and you you add up the score. You know at the end of the the game, whoever has the high score wins. Well, you also had is. the challenge of getting certain things, like you had to get yeah. five yeah. sixes, or you know, to mark it off your list. And yeah, that's, that's yeah, how you scored yeah. yourself. So yeah, you try to get certain, uh, yeah, get, certain things. Like yeah. I said, all five of them being sixes, or all five being fours. You had get to get a, two of a kind, or, a three of a kind, a, a run, four of a kind, and depending you know, on which ones you chose to try to get. Depending yeah. on how many points you got, so yeah, this is a uh, this is another one that I remember playing with Nanny a lot. Mm -hmm. um, she also happened to be really good at playing craps, so probably <laughs> probably went into that. Um, I didn't play craps with her. I played I played Yahtzee with her. Yeah. Well, I just happen to know from stories that she. I never played craps with Nanny. I just know oh, from okay. from mom. She said that Nanny would. That was one of Nanny's favorite games. Um, or gambling games um and i remember playing yahtzee with her a lot so it made sense yeah. um this is this also is another one evie gambling dice thing yeah evie really likes to play this uh or she did i don't know if she's played in a while but she really liked to play this one so yeah uh is one that we like to play a lot mm -hmm. where is what else do we have oh um this is this when we get into some funner ones to me like that people might not know as much about. Yeah. So what else do you have? You were going to say something about Yahtzee. No, I was just, that was it for oh. Yahtzee. Yeah, it was, it was okay. more, I, like I said, just a minute ago, it was more the, the dice gambling type thing, I guess. What it went and I did say funner, um, just so everybody knows it's fine. It's just a good fun word. Um, so this game, Axis and Allies. Mm -hmm. 
this is one. I don't think that many people would know about this one. No, it, it's not. You know, it's very similar to Risk, which we grew up playing Risk from Parker Brothers. Um, so this is um, it's a World War II strategy board game. Uh, the board depicted a spring of 1942 political map of the Earth and divided by territories. Players take the roles of either Germany or Japan, which were the Axis uh, Axis, Axis uh, com- uh, countries, and then, or you can have Soviet Union, the UK, or the US, which were the Allies. <clears throat> uh, so this was designed by Larry Harris under the under the name of 1942. In the late 70s, uh, Harris partnered with a, a local Connecticut hobby shop named uh, called Citadel Game Store. Uh, and they published this game in 1981 under the company name of Nova Nova Game Designs. Now, Milton Bradley uh, republished this, got the rights to it, republished it in 1984 as part of their Game Master series of board games. Uh, so a lot of these, the Game Masters were uh, board games where you did a lot of battles. Um, there was, uh, where's that, my list here. Um, so you had Axis and Allies, uh, you had Broadsides and Boarding Parties, which was a, like a pirate type thing. You had Conquest of the Empire, Fortress America, America, and Shogun. Those were the parts of this, uh, Game Master series of games. So, uh, but this was the one that, that was the biggest uh, success out of those groups. And it, it actually carried on these others didn't last very long but this one this one lasted um the uh the the object of the game is to win the war by capturing enough critical territories to gain the advantage over the enemy and a recreation of world war ii so that's that's the gist of it it's, it's almost similar to very similar to risk yeah um and that's 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 probably i don't know if you add if I remember all the toys or all the games that we played growing up. That's probably the second largest risk being the second largest one. Yeah. Especially at Nanny's. We always yeah, played at yeah. Nanny's. Sure. Always played at Nanny's. We played a lot of games at Nanny's. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Nanny liked to play games with us. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and the last one we have on our list, Hero Quest. This is specifically one that uh, kind of larger, but uh, not quite what I think a lot of people would really know. Yeah. Um, so in the late 80s, the game designer, uh, Stephen Baker, uh, moved from Games Workshop, which was a, a gaming company in, in the UK, uh, to Milton Bradley, and they convinced Roger Ford, uh, who was at the time Milton Bradley's head of development, uh, to allow him to develop a fantasy genre game. Uh, Baker was given the go-ahead as long as he kept it simple. Uh, so Baker contacted his former employer, Games Workshop, uh, to develop the plastic miniatures that they would use in the game, uh, but then decided to draw on their expertise in the fantasy game field. So they kind of got got help from game uh, from Games Workshop to develop this game. So it was kind of a, a co co development partnership there for this. Um, the this was uh, the result of this partnership uh, came out to be Hero Quest. Um, it's an adventure game where players 
cooperate against a single adversary. Um, it was released in Britain and Europe and Australia in 1989. And then a slightly different version was released in the U.S. and Canada in 1990. This is similar to uh, like Dungeons and Dragons type, type gaming. Um, you yeah. have you have uh, one guy that kind of sets up the board and the layout of the the caverns or whatever you have to go through, um, different places, gates, doors, stuff like that. And there's there's you've got four different good guys that play this. You have a barbarian, a dwarf, an elf, and a wizard. And those are the four those four characters. Uh, kind of try to defeat the the main wizard is what it is so the wizard uh, controls a selection of monsters they have orcs goblins uh femir i have no idea what a femir is um chaos warriors there was a chaos warlock or witch lord i guess depending on which which version you got uh there was gargoyles skeletons zombies and mummies that you had to to fight against um and then after the years afterwards, there were several expansion packs uh, that were released in later years. So some of the expansion packs were only released in around Australia, Asia section of the world. And then there was some that was only released here in the U.S. or North America. Um, but uh, but it all had extra stuff there, extra figures, extra bad guys that you had to fight. Um, but it's all set up. To, as like a fast playing Dungeons and Dragons game, it's you know Dungeons and Dragons can last hours and hours and hours. This was yeah. maybe an hour long. You know, it was it was a short, quick game, but it was it was very similar. You had a little story thing you had to go along with and and everything. So it was pretty pretty cool. So all right, those are oh, the games my. that I had on the list. Any other ones we want to yeah. we want to add in? Well, there, I was looking at this list of. Uh, different games you know that that they have you know aggravation is one that we mm -hmm. all know of um let's see michael we pulled up that deal we're looking at that fireball yeah the fireball uh, fireball island that looks like an interesting one mm -hmm. uh, and you play it and it's actually like a 3d board yeah so you, you try to get to the top through, of there's the, marbles that are on it so i guess you hit them and the the marbles will attack down a certain way it's and knock a, people back. Yeah, it's like a, a volcano island yeah. that you have to <clears throat> traverse. So um, another one that they have, Ants in the Pants, came out in 1969. Ants in the Pants. Um, there's Barrel of Monkeys, came out in 1965. Is that a board game? That's not a game. It's, it's a Milton Bradley game. <laughs> That's not a game. Uh, you had Bed Bugs, which came out in 1985. Um, Beetle, which was also known as Cootie, Cootie it came yes. out in 1927 is when that one came out. Really? Uh, yeah. I didn't realize they that had, was that old. Uh, there was a Bigfoot game in 1977. Uh, we said Candyland came out in 1949. Um, they have a lot of games with movies and stuff like that. You know, yeah, there's Charlie's Angels. I saw there's, uh, some Marvel Goonies. ones, Amazing Spider-Man. There's a Goonies one. <laughs> Goonies, a Goonies, yeah, one. We, we got Goonies. Um, let's see what about the, what was it? Oh, shoot, I just 
Close it out. The Beatles. Oh. The flip your wig. From the flip Beatles. your wig. Flip your wig. Here's here's one that me and Andrew are kind of familiar with. Daytona 500. It came out in 1990. Yep. So uh, there's a lot of Disney Disney board game series. Um, you had 101 Dalmatians, Aladdin. Um, there was the Hunchback in Notre Dame. Uh, getting Goofy Game, Lion King, Pinocchio, uh, Little Mermaid, Pocahontas. You know, they had all those those games. Um, here's another one. Don't Break the Ice. That's another classic one from I 1968. Like one, don't Spill Your Beans. Don't Spill the Beans in 1957. <clears throat> um, and these are all in alphabetical order, so that's why. Uh, just, there's a Flintstones game. Came out in 1971. Fraggle Rock in 1984. We were we watched a lot of Fraggle Rock. Yep. Yeah. G.I. Joe, uh, 1982. There's a Godzilla game from 1998. Uh, I wonder what Go Go Worms is. That seems like an interesting game. Um, Guess who? Guess who? Yep. 1982. Yeah. Jenga came out in 1986. Jenga. <clears throat> That's a good uh, one. That's a. You get the big like two by fours and make it like a yard jenga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotta make sure they're nice and smooth though. Yeah, <laughs> mousetrap, mousetrap in nineteen sixty three. Mousetrap. That's one we had growing. We up. had that one. It was a pain to even set up. <laughs> here's one. Here's one. Rainy would like. Uh, she may even have this. Uh, new kids on the block game. So and she, she may have it. I don't know. I ask her. Rainy. <laughs> She's she's listening now and yelling at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's the real Ghostbusters game, which came out in 1986. Um, just just shuffling through here. Uh, Spider Wars 1988. Uh, let's see some other old ones. Is what I'm trying to find. Uh, Sub Attack game from 1966. Uh, Thundar the Barbarian, uh, uh, the cartoon I grew up with, 1982. Trouble, 1965. Trouble, 1965. Yeah. Uh, Torpedo Run was 1986. Um, here's an old, old one from, from back when. Tommy Twinkles Numbers Game. Came out in 1923. So, yeah, some of these had some weird names back then. Yeah. Um, Uncle Wiggly, 1916. 1916. There you go. Uh, the track, track board game based on character in a series of children's books by American writer Howard Roger. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, that's just kind of, um, like if we just talked about Twister from 1966, you had Animal Twister in 1967. And the Bratz Twister from 2005. <laughs> so I don't know what Animal Twister is, but yeah. so. so with this, right. we need to rank Milton Bradley in with our their games, like the ones specifically the ones we played most of the time. We're not going to do individuals. We did this last time, um, and we're kind of fit. It was pretty high on John's list, um, and I believe that was was round one. It was pretty high board games. Parker yeah. Brother. Then getting hired one, yeah. So they have 
they had you know the good they ones. have they have the big good the good ones so <laughs> yeah. um it's, it's where do we, where do we go with this michael where does it rank um your list it's a long list with what we have up there right now the three that we have um this one's gonna go i guess i'm gonna put it number one because i had more fun with this and i'm i'm a lot of these games growing up, uh, specifically Candyland and stuff like that. So I'm going to put it number one on my list. It won't stay there very long, but that's where I'm putting it. John? It's going to go number one right now, but I'm like Michael. It may not stay there, but this one's definitely one at this time. Yeah, this is going number one for me, too. Uh, I kind of feel like mine might stick there a little longer than your guys. But then also I know what's happening next week, so... Maybe it won't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how next week. So this is a number one across the board for us. For us. So for now. But it is a bingo square. It is a bingo square. So that does give you, if you're playing our game, it's a little bingo square for you. Uh, Speaking about games, um, I was going to wait and do this on Friday, but I wanted to kind of, I think we should do it now. Um, I pulled all the names for the people who have voted uh, who voted, and I put them in this spinner. We're going to click the wheel, and we're going to find out who won our prize pack. We didn't even announce what the prize pack is, but what I'll do is I'll reach out to you and let you know if you win. Sound good to you, John? you, Michael? Yeah, we yeah. do that. All right, so here we go. We're going to spin <coughs> and see who wins. It's spinning, spinning, it's spinning. It's like- no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Oh, so close, angry Nate. But it's going to go to right. Hunts. So that Hunts. is Doug from my work. That's oh, well, oh. That's, that, uh, <laughs> that makes uh, shipping a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> Free shipping. Free shipping. So uh, when he listens to this, if he it, listens to it, are you going to tell him, John? Huh? Almost. Are you going to tell him? Angry Nate. No, I'm not going to tell him until you post it. I want him to see it and then come after me to. Oh, oh, I was, I was going to be like, let's see if he, let's see if he. So I, okay, the episode drops on Thursday uh, tomorrow morning. I won't post until Friday, so we'll see if he listens. Uh, if he wins, so that's Doug. Yeah, how do you say it was a Hunts Huntsburger? It's Huntsburger. Huntsburger. Okay. Yeah, Angry Nate. Sorry, you almost won. It was real close. Um, if you want to see how close it was, just go watch our video um, on YouTube, and uh, it's there. So it's uh, like it's like the wheel of fortune when you you're out there on bankruptcy, and it it's just so. Yeah, um, actually, I'm really glad because the shipping's a lot cheaper to John than it would be to Nate. So, all right, what uh, we have anything else we want to talk about for board games, or we want to wrap this? This is like a no, yearly just, rap thing here. So, yeah, we, we had fun playing board games back in the day. We did. Um, are, do we have another board game company to talk about next year? I'm sure we'll come up with somebody. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll do something. We got a whole year to come up with that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, all right. Well, then that's we talked about some Milton Bradley games. Lots of fun. Um, while you're here, uh, be sure you go check out Geek Together. 
um, and follow their socials. We do our collector showcases and partner with them. So when they when we post, they post, and we do it on their Twitch account. So be sure you're following them because that's how you're going to know uh, when we go live with those and all the information, along with following our socials. John went down those earlier. You can get those at toyrewindpodcast.com or crossstreamsmedia.com. And while you're over at crossstreamsmedia.com, check out some of our partnered uh, podcasts over there, like The Dorksman, the SDS guys, Secondary Heroes, Three Beers and a Mic, The Movie Gap, the Dan Aykroyd podcast, the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast, Front Row Negative, The Art of the Boar, and Bearing Ain't Easy. Uh, you can leave us all reviews there. You can check out all those great uh, podcasts. So there's so much content there. It's uh, kind of crazy. Um, you can leave us, like I said, you can leave us reviews. You can leave us messages, voice messages, and uh, we'll get those. And if we get them, we'll play them right here on the episode or right here on the podcast. So uh, be sure you do that. Uh, also, I want to throw this in there. So a friend of mine uh, or uh, an old boss of mine got his son to do a podcast with him. Um, and I feel like that he was listening. He listened to us and he would listen to us with his son, Jack. And so they decided to do this podcast and it's called the Superhero Encyclopedia for Kids. Uh, they've released one episode as of us recording this. I don't know when their release schedule is. So, um, and that was about Captain America and it's the history of Captain America. It's a short, like eight minute episode. I think they're trying to keep them short because obviously they're doing these for kids uh, to kind of give them ideas on stuff. And you may be an intro into some superheroes for some of these kids. So check it out. I know you can find it on Spotify. And it was a lot of, it was, it was just fun to listen um, and hear uh, Matt and his son, Jack kind of talk about uh, Captain America. Also uh, Batman got a mention. And so that's even better. All right. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to add before we wrap it? No, I think that I hope everybody had a good year and looking forward to 2022 and hope everybody has a good 2022. Yeah. I hope everybody's had a great Christmas. Can I have a happy new year? I personally can't wait to get into 2022 because I can get back to watching my hockey that's been on hold forever. Uh, so <laughs> I'm excited about that. And John, anything from you? Yahtzee. Yahtzee. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, on behalf of the Brothers Newland, here at the Tour Rewind podcast, play on. You've been listening to the Toy Rewind Podcast. Follow and join in the conversations at toyrewindpodcast.com.